0: Welcome to Ocean Stories, a
1: podcast hosted by me, Lydia Carey, and me, Sarah Hersping. We may not be marine experts or even professional scuba divers, but we are curious about the ocean and ways to protect it. Every week, we chat with conservationists, researchers,
0: business owners, and anyone else with an ocean story to tell. So whether you're a
1: scientist or someone who's simply curious about the Big Blue, you're in the right spot. We can't save the seas alone, but we can do it together. the Ocean Stories podcast. The year is 2018. We are currently in two different places. I, for myself, just landed in Bali, Indonesia, to start my studies abroad in Bali. And
0: I was a college freshman at university in Pennsylvania.
1: We were very far apart. And we had no clue that we would run into each other only two years later. But here is where the story begins. I
0: hope that set the scene for you listeners. I don't know why we've taken on a very serious and dark tone to talk about this. (laughs) Very uplifting story. But we did it so that you could imagine yourself on a beach in Bali.
1: Or at class in Pennsylvania. Wherever you want to be. Um... Okay, but to be serious here. We thought, okay, we are these two girls doing a podcast called Ocean Stories that is powered by Ocean Mimic, but why the hell are we here? Um who is Ocean Mimic? Why are we talking about them all the time? How is all of this related? So we thought, hmm, what if we just invite the person that connected us, the person that started Ocean Mimic, the person that's the reason that we're here today? Onto the podcast to give you guys a little bit of a background of what's going on, but also to just shine some bright light onto the history and past of Ocean Mimic and all the crazy cool things that they did in the past.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when you were saying that, I got even a little bit sentimental because I remember when I first met Emma. And it's just crazy to think that if all of these things hadn't happened, we would not be here right now. So it's kind of cute. It's our origin story.
1: Welcome, Emma. We're so excited to have you. Emma quite literally is the reason that we're here today. So yeah, can't wait to chat with you. Um,
2: so excited to be here. Thanks, guys. (laughs) Yay!
1: Well, Lydia already said that you grew up in a really small town in England.
2: Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Devon in the south of England uh, in the middle of nowhere. So I'm definitely a country girl country bumpkin
1: so growing up there how did you connect to the ocean when was the first time that you realized okay i'm actually really passionate about the ocean and i really like this
2: um so that started when i was uh 13 14 and i tried diving for the first time so i think feel like this is a recurring story when you speak to scuba divers um i i I did a course in um, Honduras in Central America with um, my dad and my brother. And part of that crazy story, my uh, dad uh, broke his Achilles just before going out there. So his whole leg was in a cast, like plastered cast. And they still let him do the course. It was like a dodgy, dodgy dive center. (laughs) So his leg was like floating in the air and that's how he learned to dive. Oh,
0: I'm glad (laughs) you made it out. <laughs> yeah. We've, How
2: do you dive I for the it down later. A, a, really good question. So unsafe. Um when I was doing my instructor's
1: course, we tried to look up the dive center and it closed. I think for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah, probably for good reason. You're a dive instructor as well. When did you decide mm-hmm. to become a dive instructor? Did you just straight after school? Decided. Okay, that's gonna be my job.
2: Yeah, I when I was when I left school, I decided to go traveling around Southeast Asia, and big part of that was that I wanted to become a dive master on that trip. So uh, I originally planned to do that in Bali, actually, um, at the end of my trip. But then I started my um, trip in Thailand, and pretty much the first place I went to, I was like, I'm gonna do my dive master. <laughs> so um, I did my dive master when I was 18, and loved that but uh, went back to the UK after that. And then quite a few years later, um, I left the UK for good and I moved to Malaysia to do my instructors and work as a yoga teacher. So that was just before coming to Bali that I did my instructor's course over there.
0: Sarah and I were just talking about how crazy it is that people in the ocean space, they move here, they move there, you know, we're working different jobs. We're having these crazy, journeys maybe you can walk us through how becoming a dive master led you to notice plastic and sort of how you ended up with Ocean Mimic.
2: Yeah um so I mean diving at at any capacity like you you it's more like discovering that there's this whole entire world that nobody talks about and until you dive you don't really see that whole world and you care just so much more about it um I feel like my diving in Thailand didn't raise the plastic pollution issue as strongly as when I then went to Malaysia because we had, I was there during monsoon season. Like I would quite literally go on a dive um, and the beach was like immaculate, beautiful white beach and then come up from the dive 40 minutes later and the whole beach was just covered in plastic and trash. And that was just like,
1: unbelievable to me like so shocking that is crazy so when you say that the plastic was there 45 minutes later is it because of the rain like did it wash up from the land or did it come from the ocean it was it was definitely from the ocean um i can say that because
2: the island was not inhabited it was just basically a tiny tiny resort like it was a 15-minute walk across from one side to the other so it was definitely from the ocean, um, but I would say that we, you could feel more of it on the surface than mm-hmm. like during the dive, I wasn't seeing plastic like streaming past me, but of course there's still a lot of plastic even in, in the water and all of that stuff on the surface is going to sink eventually and break down. Um, so it's sort of traveling on currents and you can see on the packaging where some of that plastic is from, which is also
1: interesting. That is extremely shocking yeah exactly you really feel the issue (laughs) yeah so how long were you in malaysia for um so i was
2: there for nine months in total so not a super long time but um the island was teeny tiny so you you do quickly get island fever (laughs) Mm. um and that's why um sort of i was there during monsoon season there were literally like i think it was just a couple and me on the island like that was that was it at the time. So that's where a lot of the Ocean Mimic stuff started because I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> like, oh my God, what are we gonna do? There's still no one able to access the island. um, So we didn't have customers for like maybe six weeks or two months. And so it, it was quite an extreme environment,
1: which meant I had lots of time to brainstorm and come up with ideas. <laughs> so how did Ocean Mimic start? Like what were the first first things you came up with
2: um so it started with uh, a friend of mine that I met there uh, Chelsea so she was also working at the dive center and um she was sort of more into fashion and she had a marketing background and I and we were both diving there and we saw the plastic pollution issue and we were both kind of brainstorming ideas like we need to start a business to get off this island <laughs> um what can we do that merges our passion for like scuba diving and how can we solve this plastic pollution crisis and and we're just like brainstorming millions and so many different ideas um and then we came up with the idea of like okay what if we did like uh clothe some kind of swimwear aimed at female scuba divers which isn't just like a pink rash guard with scuba pro written on the front or like, I don't know, just something super basic. Um, and that's when we tried to like get inspiration from the ocean and oh, why don't we come up with swimwear that imitates different marine life. Um, and that was where the idea of the ocean mimic that we're mimicking these creatures was born. And then we tried to sort of match that up with um, how we can tie that together with the plastic pollution crisis. So. It sort of spiraled from there.
0: As Ocean Mimic started to grow and gain more traction, what was that like for you? And how did you end up incorporating the altruistic cleanup side to Ocean Mimic?
2: I'll ask the second half of the question first: How we um, incorporated that the cleanup side. So two different parts. One was that we found there was a material that was quite up and coming at the time, and now it's quite well known, is um, a recycled plastic um, fabric. So fabrics that are made of recycled nylon. Um, So that was an amazing way to incorporate sustainability into the product directly. Um, But then also, we had the idea to promise to pick up a certain uh, certain amount of trash from cleanups for each item that was purchased. And I, I, I can't believe I've kind of, I've forgotten, but I think it was like 10 kilos per suit. It was a lot. Like when I look wow. at the uh, initiatives out there now Obviously, like uh, to work on a big scale is it is difficult, but we we did it for a long time. Um, I mean, for me, it was a long time. <laughs> but it's a lot of a lot of trash per suit was collected, and we tracked every single cleanup to make sure that we did fulfill on those promises. So and we usually over exceeded those targets. so that was very exciting. It was very motivating
1: um, that time that is really cool and it's amazing how you were like one of the first businesses that did it I feel like right now there's a lot of those businesses or um businesses have this incorporated to have a good cause, like plant a tree for every purchase but um this was like really early on and it's Mm -hmm. amazing how you actually picked up the trash yourself and weighed it yourself. So can you explain a little bit how that works? Like who actually picked it up and how were you involved in the whole thing?
2: Yeah, I I think, um. so one thing that I feel did make it very different was that the whole business came out of a genuine passion to, I I don't want to sound cynical, but it was a genuine passion to solve this issue because I genuinely found it so shocking. Whereas now I feel like there's a lot of brands that maybe jump onto the bandwagon, which is great because they're doing something good for the planet. But I just felt it was just such an urgent cause. Um, And I kind of got a bit sidetracked honestly about the whole like, we need to sell swimwear part of the business. I kind of (laughs) left that to Chelsea. I was like, you're gonna design these amazing suits and I'm gonna go full on like the cleanup side. So that's how we ran it for a little while. And um, so it, the cleanups genuinely started with just me sort of posting on a, on some Facebook groups saying I'm going to do a beach cleanup, I would love it for people to join me. And it, some the first few cleanups uh, were just me, Chelsea, and maybe two other people. And sometimes we were just doing it on our own. But fairly quickly it gained traction and people sort of chat to other people and bring their friends it was like a social activity um and it yeah it grew pretty fast within maybe three or four months there were like 100 of us and I I, and especially I think yeah it would really really grew quickly and people felt I think sometimes the Bali lifestyle can feel little bit shallow um in some ways like it's a lot of like superficial lifestyles um that people like we're coming together to really do something that makes a difference and with your own hands like you're getting Mm -hmm. your hands physically dirty you can literally see the beach before and after and it's and there's such a good atmosphere at beach cleanups that it's really addictive to want to go again bring as many people as you can and you're all in it together. Um I even heard people were using it as a like a dating opportunity. Like wow. just like to mingle with other people. Honestly, Ideal first great. date. Fair
1: enough.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wanna come <laughs> clean up the beach with me? I would be all for it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I would be like, Okay,
1: this is the greenest flag ever. Let's go. This <laughs> oh my- is perfect. <laughs> So what
0: I love about hearing this is I feel that in a way it's sort of the origin story of this very podcast itself because I know that somewhere in the cleanup era of Ocean Mimic is how
1: you both met right or yeah yeah well, can you remind me when did you actually start the cleanups in Bali like what year did you move over to Bali and decided okay we're cleaning up the beach now so yeah like five years
2: ago-ish I was in Bali and what are we now 2023
1: so 2018. Well that makes sense because I was in Bali um I got there I think like July or August of 2019 but it was definitely up and running and well known like you could say oh yeah I'm Mm. cleaning up the beach with Ocean Meg and people would just know what's going on like that was crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: The way I joined was kind of what you had mentioned before because I was in Bali to technically do a semester abroad but it turned out that we only really had to go to school like once or twice a week and the first month I was like oh my god this is great we were in Canggu I did like the classic party party week where like Monday you go to this place and on Tuesday you go to the bar with the skate ramp I even forgot the names at this point um And you kind of like circled through the week and did it over and over and over again. And it was so fun for a month, but then like in month two or three, I was like, what am I doing here right now? Because I'm definitely not really learning anything in school and I can't just party for six months straight. Like I was getting to the point of being like, actually bored and looking for something. And then funny enough, um, I had done some beach cleanups before in surf camps in Europe Um, and I saw Ocean Mimic and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And the day I, I got to join the first cleanup, Emma was actually out of town. You were on a dive trip, I believe. So there was two volunteers. I don't remember their names, but you always had volunteers. Um, so I chatted with them and I was so keen to help. I said, can I email someone? I want to help more. I want to like be part of this. This is amazing. Um, and then they gave me an email and I emailed you and I never got anything back. And it turned out that I had the wrong email. There was like a dash or there wasn't oh, a dash. God. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, like probably there's... was just like not another spot and I was like truly heartbroken but thankfully every was it Friday or Saturday we cleaned up the beach so I just like persistently came back to clean up the beach until I finally met you and I was like can I help and you were the most welcoming person that's honestly yeah that's how we met and um it was amazing you said that there
0: was some volunteer system working for Ocean Mimic at the time what was that about well we had volunteers at the cleanups who would help sort of give out the gloves
2: and weigh the trash. So we had the cleanup volunteers. um, And then we also had people doing, helping with marketing or helping to um, go around Changu to put up posters in stores or build out our network of um, businesses that support us and uh, different things like that. Um, I think we also had like a monthly program where people actually this ran for a few months I still can't believe that that happened it's so exciting but like the people flew over to volunteer with us for a month like a monthly volunteer program so they came and stayed in a hotel and then they were given different like activities of what they were helping with um in the to volunteer for that month and yeah that was invaluable so helpful because it was I think I think already at that point it was just it was just me running all of Ocean Mimic just like one person and it was a lot. <laughs> so the volunteers, literally, I could not have functioned without them. Like Sarah, and was so helpful from the very beginning,
1: and so many other people. So. Wow it was your full-time job pretty much at that time. Did you still do scuba diving or anything on the site or was it just Ocean Mimic? No,
2: it was just Ocean Mimic. From the moment I arrived in Bali, it was just Ocean Mimic, yeah. Like, I think so many people just um, will go for a pretty vacation. And so, I mean, there's two aspects to it. Some people uh, are looking for a way to give back, um, and which is amazing. And then they have an avenue to do that but other people they're not there to look for a way to give back but then the trash is literally staring them in the face and that's like yeah. a wake up call and an opportunity as well because you there were times where there's no way you can't see it and or like like have to you have to talk about it uh, in, and there were rare cases where we were literally cleaning up around people lying on the beach who would just like throw their cigarette butt and ask get you to pick it up and stuff which would still blow my mind or just like what are you doing that's disgusting like i'm like yeah um but but uh yeah i think it was um important um because pe- also people don't see that in their own home countries and at that time pl- plastic pollution the crisis was just blowing up like I think there was an element of luck to what we were doing at that time because when we started Ocean Mimic, it wasn't so much in headline news about plastic pollution and suddenly everyone was talking about it and we just happened to sort of catch it at the right time, I guess. But at that time people, yeah, it was something new that people were learning and um, yeah, I don't know, it was just it was a shock for everybody. And I I feel like it's really not talked about anymore. It was like a phase. And now we're like gone through the plastic pollution awareness phase. And now Mm -hmm. uh, it's just like, oh yeah, there's a plastic pollution crisis. Like it's just like a given, Uh, like we've just all become complacent, but it's still happening every single monsoon season. Like the trash is unbelievable. And you might also, people might think, the videos or the pictures they see when they type in like, oh, plastic pollution crisis, Bali or whatever, is like a one-off or like photoshopped or that's, it's not. It's like every every day of like during monsoon season, you're seeing apocalyptic beaches like, and and that's the reality. Like it's not a publicity stunt or anything. And so I think... That's what makes the difference of actually being there in person and seeing it with your own eyes compared to on a screen because you don't know how, if it's an exaggeration. Um, or, but it's, it's really like that. It's awful. And it's still like that today.
0: I think there's really something to be said about giving people, providing people the opportunity to make a difference with their own hands. You know, you see those photos and it's so overwhelming and it's really easy to become complacent because it feels like no matter what you do, the scope of the problem is too wide to handle. So I think giving people that chance to get a little dirty with their hands, you know, actually see the problem hands-on, literally, is an experience that people can take with them when they leave,
1: which is good as well. Every time we were cleaning up the beaches, you had to set a time limit because it is pretty addicting. Like once you start, you just cannot stop. And it doesn't end like you will probably never leave a beach and it's actually fully clean. So we had to be like, we are meeting back in one hour because otherwise people would just stay there forever. And you sometimes really had to go up to people and be like, We're weighing the trash now. We need to stop.
2: Yeah, there was there's one story like a little analogy um which sprang to mind of uh, uh somebody looking down on a beach and it's covered in starfish and um and they see one person just picking up a starfish and throwing it in the ocean and like just picking up a starfish throwing it in the ocean and there's like thousands of starfish on the beach, and they go off, and they're like, "You're never gonna get all of them. Why, what are you doing? Like, it's a waste of time." And and the person's just like, "Well, I saved that starfish and that starfish, and those I don't know 50 starfish that I just threw back in the ocean, I saved, and that makes a difference." And um, for me, that's how the beach cleanups felt because yeah, it's an like absolutely massive issue, but everything you pick up adds up, and in the end. I, I, again, I'm not sure how many tons we picked up over the time, like that period of time, but it was like 34 tons of trash. And so, and that was all made up of people like Sarah, just picking up one straw at a time, out one beach cleanup. And it that's what happens when so many people come together. And that's just one organization out of like so many that are trying
1: to make an impact. So it does, does add up. It does matter. One thing I want to touch on a little bit is Ocean Mimic wasn't only about ocean cleanups or beach cleanups, but you also had a little bit of an educational part. Can you touch on that a little bit? Because I remember that there were some school projects going on.
2: Yeah, I felt um we we did a few different school cleanups and educational sort of, uh, programs with kids um of local schools, which was amazing that they're still like, one of the best things I've ever done. Like it was just so rewarding because everything starts with education. Um, so we did like presentations and we played lots of different games on the beach where they learn about the problems. So we would try and like match up plastic item with how long it takes to break down in the ocean and stuff like that. And um, played lots of sort of games and had volunteers for the the whole project. And then we would go back and um, check in with those schools again later on. So that was really rewarding. Um, And I think beyond everything, it wasn't just, I would always say it's not just about picking up stuff on the beach and cleaning up. This is about awareness and education and empowerment. Like it's much more than just picking up something and putting it in a bag. Um, It's about telling people about what you've done and why, um, rather than, I'd much prefer somebody to, that's where social media was such a powerful tool. And again, I think we were lucky hitting it with the the rise of Instagram, because people, we would encourage people, please share images and videos of this cleanup and educate your community, educate people around you about what's going on. Um, So, yeah across the board it was never just about cleaning up the beach or we would try and recommend the tactic of yeah get tractors down take it all away in the morning it's probably much more efficient but it was more than that it was a educational pro- project
1: so what happened later on why why did you have to leave bali or what what happened with the cleanup projects
2: so we had to I left Bali um, accidentally (laughs) because it was COVID and um, I heard news that they were going to reopen the borders um, so people could get back in to Bali. So at that point, I left to visit my family and then they didn't open the borders and I couldn't get back in. And that's how I ended up in Dubai, where I still am now. Um, So so, yeah, I left Bali by accident.
1: So you were just locked out pretty much. You couldn't go back home?
2: Yeah exactly like there was a my all my stuff was just um my cleaner who I who had, I'd met just like four times to clean the house she had all of my stuff um for a full year and a half or something before I came back and managed wow. to pick it up um That's so wild. it was just very suddenly just left to go on vacation and see my parents and then I um got locked out uh, I love Dubai and I I like have my two dogs and my husband here now so I'm very happy that covid led me here but at the time it was a bit of a shock <laughs> yeah i can um, imagine but relating that more to ocean mimic um and sort of what happened there it's it became sort of more difficult being a, being away from trying to organize cleanups mm-hmm. not being there was became more challenging um and then also from the swimwear side as well, we, prices went crazy up for shipping and there was an initial COVID boom where people were online shopping and then a massive drop where people were like, okay, I bought swimwear six months ago. I'm still not going on vacation anytime soon. So um, everything just became a lot more challenging. It it was never really about like the financial side for me. Um, I'm not a very, financially driven person but after quite a few years you also start to think like this is really no longer financially viable either as a business business model um so yeah everything sort of got more challenging we'll put it that way um we ran the cl- cl- cleanups for quite a while longer and we still do have cleanups happening mm-hmm. um uh but yeah I guess that's the short answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, but I can I can totally understand. And I feel like a lot of the cleanups also were driven by tourists coming in. And there were all these little incentives. There was actually a little yeah. cleanup cart, which was so cool. Every time you went on a cleanup, you got a little cleanup cart with discounts for all the businesses. So you would go to the cleanup and then you would get a free coffee or get a free meal somewhere so that rewards program yeah exactly yeah but then and it was worth a lot people came just for the card i swear (laughs) (laughs) i came for the card sometimes okay but after ocean mimic closed we did not stop working together but uh we started actually working on some marketing projects together and that's where lydia entered the frame as well and that's how we all met. Um I think that was also the starting ground for the podcast pretty much because we met the most incredible people and in so many cool projects and we collaborated with amazing people in the ocean and sustainable sphere on Instagram and we're like wow all of these stories we We want to hear more stories and we want to share these stories so that's how we ended up here actually i would say um and i can't wait to interview a bunch of the people that we have been working with um in the ocean and sustainable sphere yeah there's such an incredible
2: community within the ocean space you've got scientists and activists and people running businesses and. I know I feel like everyone in the ocean space is just like super friendly and nice and cool and it just yeah that's it, the community is just everything so I can't wait to see um see these interviews coming out with all these fascinating people
0: it's gonna be great. Know. I'm so excited Emma I feel like you are our small sustainable ocean business queen you have introduced us to so many um small businesses and things and even had a crazy story that we just heard of a business of your own. Do you have some major takeaways or main things that you feel about the small sustainable business space? I think
2: all these people who run these small sustainable businesses are just like are are amazing uh, because it's it's a really tough job and it's so easy for for people when they're Christmas shopping or whatever to just like go to a mall and buy something from Zara or H&M or like Dominate Smith, I don't know, just like generic big businesses instead of going to shop small Um, because you're literally like every single sale massively counts for these small businesses and they're putting everything on the line to make it work because they believe in something. Um, And especially during times like this where uh, economically a lot of different Countries and businesses are struggling right now. Um, they really need your support. So I think if there's one takeaway, it's just please support these amazing people because they're they're trying to be part of the solution. Um, and yeah, and there's just so many amazing and pretty much anything you can think of, there's a sustainable equivalent. Like so, do do a little bit of research before you go shopping next time. And uh, feel free to reach out to the podcast because, like, you guys know so many small brands um, that are in the sustainable space, and and I I know a ton. So you, if you don't know, then ask me as well because I've got a list of like thousands. I feel like of businesses in this space. Um. So yeah, support, support, support.
1: <laughs> and we actually had this idea of. Um just shouting out some small sustainable businesses on our podcast just because that's where we came from that's the reason why we're here and just like you said a lot of the time there is an equivalent to the exact product that you might get from a big um, fast fashion or just like a generic business so if anybody listening to this knows of an incredible small sustainable business please reach out to us and send us a dm because we would love to collaborate and love to reach out to these small businesses and see what we can do because christmas season is coming up and it would be amazing if everybody could shop small this year oh we'll get a major cancel from all big corporations (laughs)
0: okay (laughs) okay well to wrap up our interview we like to ask this fun question to see because you've been a diver a beach cleaner upper a sustainable marketer you've worn many hats what has been your favorite memory relating to the ocean it's kind of a big question but what was your favorite moment or story that you have so
2: yeah so many amazing ocean experiences um and yeah it's really hard to pick one Um, But I'm going to go with a peaceful one, which is just me and the ocean and nothing more. Um, When I was in Malaysia um, on this tiny island, I remember one time it was... Sometimes I feel like I'm making this up (laughs) because I'm like, it's just too good to be true. It was a full moon. And um, it was... Because of the island, like there were... In the very far distance, you could see it was, there was lightning coming down from the sky. So there was f- flashes all around. And I went skinny dipping. <laughs> and there was bioluminescence in the water. And it was just me in Whoa. the water at night. And there were all these sparkles in the water. And it was full moon and lightning in the sky. And it was just so peaceful and amazing and just me at one of the ocean i know it's a little bit hippie and out there as well but it's just stuck in my mind as one of the most
1: um like at one with the ocean memories that i have honestly bioluminescence is that is just it doesn't make sense pure magic pure magic i remember clearly the first time i saw it it was in new zealand on a houseboat and the houseboat owner was like you guys yeah, I know it's night but you should just jump in the ocean and I was like why would I jump in the ocean and we jump in the ocean and it was just sparkling as if someone had dumped glitter into the ocean and I could not believe it like that is those memories just yeah. burned into my brain and I think I'll never forget it so I can only imagine you being alone out there with lightning that must have been wow crazy yeah, I know was that safe with swimming
0: with the lightning <laughs> you were living life <laughs> on the edge it was far away Okay, okay. Yeah,
2: no, I've, had, I've had dives where I've literally, like, lightning is literally just like, hit the water, and then they're like, jump off the boat, and you go, and you're like, I don't know, but I did, and I survived, so. Okay, <laughs> oh my
1: god, that good. sounds sketchy, <laughs> all these dive stories. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was beautiful,
0: I felt transported to another place, and I'm the only <laughs> one who hasn't seen this glittery ocean, so I'm adding that to my bucket list. Oh yes. Definitely.
1: Definitely, We're so excited to keep Ocean Mimic alive to some extent and share more Ocean Stories on there and also thank you for introducing all of us. We wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for Ocean Mimic and you.
2: I'm so glad like, that we all met and can continue doing a crazy Ocean stuff to- together, so thank you for that.
1: Thanks for joining us for another episode of Ocean Stories. If you'd like to follow along on Instagram, you can find us at ocean Stories underscore podcast for updates and behind the scenes.
0: We'll also be sharing our ocean adventures on YouTube at Ocean Stories Podcast. If you like this episode, please show your support by leaving a review on Spotify or
1: Apple Podcasts. Join us next Tuesday for more Ocean Stories.